I want to just share just a short passage also from the, the book of Mark this morning. And if we turn to Mark's gospel in chapter 4, the last part of Mark's gospel in chapter 4, a familiar passage about Jesus, Jesus calming the sea, Jesus quiets the storm. You know, Jesus, the master, he's the master, you know, of the storm. And, you know, all of us, there's the storms of life. It's different for every one of us, but we all face storms. There's always storms, there are battles that we have to go through. And, uh, you know, storms, storms of finance, storms of sickness, storms in relationships, storms concerning our job, storms concerning you know, relationship one with another. Storms, storms, storms. And the, st- the stilling of the storm, you know, this, this sign, the multitudes were not there. It was just the 12, the 12 disciples, the 12 apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. And during the day, Jesus had been teaching. And if we look at Mark chapter 4, if we go to the beginning, Basically, he'd been teaching, and he often, Jesus often taught by parables, uh, an earthly story with a spiritual meaning, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And when Jesus taught by parables, you know, he would hide the truth from those whose hearts were not, not ready to receive it, those whose hearts were not right, and, and it would reveal truth to those whose hearts were right uh, to the Lord. And the day had been, it's been a busy day for Jesus, and multitudes had gathered, many, many people had gathered, and beginning of chapter 4, Jesus is, he teaches on this wonderful parable of the sower. And we, we, we read that a great multitude was there, so much so that he had to get into a little boat and go into the Sea of Galilee and, and teach there. Um, teach there. And it says in, that he taught them many things by parables and, uh, and said unto them in, in his doctrine, hearken, and then he went on, the, the sower began to sow. And we looked at the, he looked at those four seeds. And then Jesus gave an explanation of that parable and gave an interpretation what the the foregrounds and what those foregrounds represented, what's, what they meant. And then Jesus, after that, he spoke about a candle under a bushel. And then he t- told another uh, you know, parable about the parable of the seed. You know, the blade, the ear, the full corn gradually you know, increases. And then he told the parable of a must- the mustard seed, just a t- tiny little seed you can hardly see. And that can grow to a huge huge shrub or little tree, and men can sit on, ho- sit on a horse and even seated on a horse can go under the mustard tree and receive shelter you know, from the sun and, and from the, the heat of the day. And then we come to the last part, which we're looking at this morning, Jesus stilling the storm, the master of the storm. Beginning in verse 35, 35. Mark 
4 and verse 34. Let's, let's, let's stand up, shall we? And let's, we'll start, let's stand up and let, let's just read this passage. It's only a few verses from 35 to 41. Let's just read it out loud together. Okay. And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. And, the, and when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there was also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him, and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose, and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? You may be seated. Jesus had taught through the day. The night came, the evening came, and then Jesus said to them, he said, let us pass over. Jesus initiated it. Let us pass over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And then it says, and then they, when they, they'd sent away the multitudes, you know, great multitudes had come to hear Jesus teach, and they took him up, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there was also with him other little ships. So there are times Jesus called those, he called the apostles into the boat to go over to the other side. And so he called them, you know, he called them basically into the storm. He called them into the storm. He knew the future. You know, he knew what was going to happen. And he called, he called them. He called them into the storm or, or into the boat with him. And there's, there's times when it's God calls us or God allows us to go through storms in our lives, to work in us, to refine us, to teach us things, to prepare us. And as we come closer to the end of the age, as we come closer to the second coming of the Lord, you know, Jesus made it very clear. There will be storms. There will be storms. In fact, in the last, last 24 hours of the life of Jesus, he gave some of his finest teachings we see recorded in the Gospel of John. In fact, from, about, from John's Gospel, John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, all those chapters, nearly a third of the whole Gospel was concerning basically the last day in the life of Jesus and his, and his crucifixion. And 
And so Jesus, he, in those final hours, he knew he was going to the cross. In those final hours, he had with his disciples. He, gave them the, the, he instituted the Lord's Supper, and then he taught them. And it's amazing. You know, he taught them, even knowing that he was so shortly going to die on the cross and suffer so greatly. You know, he taught them about love. He taught them about joy. He taught them about peace. He, taught, he, he, he explained to them about the Holy Spirit and the, the Holy Spirit, that he was going to leave, but the Holy Spirit would come. And the Holy Spirit was the parakletos. The Holy Spirit would help them, would stand at their side, and they could depend on the Holy Spirit to accomplish those things that Jesus gave them to do. And so, you know, Jesus taught them much. But he also, in, the, in those passages, and in particular, John 16 and verse 33, he taught them and he spoke to them. They would face storms. They would face tribulation. They would face trial. And Jesus is very clear. He says, these things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And these words, I mean, amazing, amazing. Uh, he's telling them to be of good cheer. He's telling them he's overcome the world. And, and here he spoke, spoke those words less than 24 hours before he went to the cross. And so Jesus calls the 12 to launch out in the boat, to cross over to the other side knowing that there'd be a storm. And after launching out into the Sea of Galilee, you know, it was in the, the calm of the evening. And we read in, in verse 37, it says, And there arose a great storm of wind, a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, and it was now full. I mean, it, was, it wasn't just a, you know, it was, it was a great storm. A great storm of wind. Now, to cross over the Sea of Galilee is, is not too big a deal. I mean, it's only about from the, the Sea of Galilee, it's about 12 and a half miles from north to south, but from east to west to cross over, it's only about seven and a half, about eight miles just to cross. So, to cross over, you know, it's just, you know, so cross over just eight miles. It's, it's, not, it's not too big a... You wouldn't think it was, you know, such a difficult task. But yet, the Sea of Galilee and its unique geography produces a climate that varies a lot. Now, the Sea of Galilee, it's about 700 feet above below sea level. The sea level is there, and the Sea of Galilee is about 700 feet below sea level. And then from the Sea of Galilee, it, it descends, 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 and down to the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea is the lowest part of Earth, and that's about 1,400 feet below sea level. But even the Sea of Galilee, it's, it's nearly 700 feet below sea level. And it's surrounded by mountains. There's a mountain on the east side of the Sea of Galilee, on the west side of the Sea of Galilee, and also 
at the southern part of the Sea of Galilee. And so on three sides, it's surrounded by mountains, and some of those mountains arise, rise, rise up to three to 400 feet above sea level. So you've got, you know, so you've got a difference from the Sea of Galilee, uh, which is already, already 700 feet below sea level, to, to mountains rising up around the Sea of Galilee, which are three to 400 feet above sea level. And so topical conditions prevail around the lake surface. And even today, you know, bananas and things like that are grown today. But yet the, the higher elevation of the, the, the mountains round about can produce, you know, real chilly, cold air. And it's not unusual, even today, for a sudden windstorm to appear on the Sea of Galilee, during the, especially during the evening hours. And the, the warm top, uh, tropical air from the lake surface, it rises and it meets the colder air from the nearby hills. And so the resulting turbulence stirs up, can stir up huge waves on the Sea of Galilee, which can make it you know, very, very treacherous, extremely tre treacherous, and uh, you know, very dangerous to be on the Sea of Galilee. In fact, you know, we, we know a little bit of that by experience, because way back in 1987, we were at the Sea of Galilee, and our children were young when we, at that time, when we visited Israel, and we, we hired a little car, and we you know, drove all over the place, but there at the Sea of Galilee, we, we rented a small paddle boat, and we, we went out on the Sea of Galilee, and when we went out, it was, it was just, you know, like glass. It was very calm, very calm. And it was easy to, to, to it was, it, instead, of, it did not have oars. It was a little boat, but you sort of pat, you'd, you'd push with your feet. And so I was sitting there, and Marilyn was sitting next to me, and we had these paddles, and we were, we were pushing on our feet and to, to make the thing go and to turn it around and so on. So we were on that, and... It was very calm, and, and we were making good progress, so I probably went out, we probably went out further than we should have gone out, and we went out quite away from the shore, and uh, it was still very calm. But then just almost out of nowhere, suddenly the, the wind, the wind just got, got stronger and stronger and stronger. And the wind was, the wind was, it was blowing you know, blowing into the seas. It was blowing, yeah, so it was, the wind was against us. When we, when we realised how far we were out and the wind had come up and the wind was seeking to blow us further out and, and then the, 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 the place where we hired the little boat from, they were on the shore and they're trying to wave us to come back, to come back. And, 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 and so we, we, we tried to come back, but for a period of time, with all our effort going, we could just, we didn't go further into the middle of the sea, but we, we didn't go towards the, we didn't get any closer to the shore either. We just, we were, we were peddling flat out, but we were basically remaining stationary. Fortunately, the wind subsided a little bit, and then we were able eventually to, to get back, 
you know, to the, to the shore. But, you know, it was very real. I mean, you read the scriptures, and I mean, just suddenly, just out of nowhere, you know, the wind can change, and the wind can, can uh, get up. So anyway, we, we thank the Lord for helping us to get back safely. And the word that, that Mark uses for storm, and it says, beaten the, so in verse 37, it says, and there arose a great storm of wind. It, it was not just like an ordinary storm. It was a furious storm. It was a furious storm. And Jesus, you know, no doubt, he, he was very tired. He'd been teaching all day. And he took a pillow and he went to the back part of the ship, to the stern of the, the ship or stern of the boat. And then, you know, Jesus just closed his eyes and off he went to sleep. And the storm came up. The disciples, they, weren't, they were not going to awaken him at the beginning anyway. They were very afraid. And even though, you know, they were, I mean, some of those disciples were fishermen. They knew the sea. They'd been on the sea. They'd spent hours on the Sea of Galilee. If anyone could, could you know, manage on the, on the sea, it was them. And some of them being, you know, professional fishermen before. And some have had, you know, visions of this story, this incident. And those who have had visions of this incident, they were saying that the, the disciples were trying to bail out water out of the boat. And they were. They were bailing out water out of the boat. A little tiny bucket and just getting it out of the boat. And, but then the water was coming into the boat, from all the waves and the, the sea and everything, faster than they were able to get the water out of the boat. So the boat was getting fuller and fuller and fuller, and you know it could have, it was pretty pretty close to the point where that boat could have sunk and, and just completely gone down to the bottom. But they were all frantic. They were all they were all. This is seasoned seasoned fishermen and those who knew the lake, but yet they were. They were, they were incredible fear that they had. And they were, at last they were exasperated with Jesus. They woke him up saying, you know, Master, Master, don't you care? Don't you care that we are perishing? In verse 38. And then in verse 39. And he arose. Verse 39, he arose. He rebuked the wind and, and he spoke to the sea. And he said, peace, peace, be still. What a tremendous word. Just very simply, just peace, be still. And, you know, just immediately, the wind and the waves just became calm. The wind dropped to nothing. And the sea became calm just immediately. And he has to gently reprove the disciples and said, well, you know, why are you so fearful? How is it? How is it that you have no faith? How is it that you have no faith? You know, what, a, what an amazing, amazing miracle. You know, the Lord, the Lord rebuked 
the sea. And, you know, you don't, you rebuke a person, but you don't rebuke something that doesn't, doesn't, doesn't speak. But it says the Lord rebuked, re- rebuked, he rebuked the sea, and there was, a, there was a great calm. And it indicates that storm, that ferocious storm, you know, was caused by Satan and the powers of darkness. Satan did everything he could through the ministry of Jesus to deflect Jesus from going to the cross. You know, at times they took up stones to stone him, and Jesus, you know, disappeared through their midst. And, and Jesus constantly said, especially in John's Gospel, you know, my time has not yet come. My time has not yet come. My time has not yet come. But it was as if Satan was trying to stop Jesus from going to the cross by drowning him in that, you know, ferocious storm on the Sea of, sea of Galilee. And there was a Canadian pastor, there was a Canadian pastor, and he had a vision of this, this incident, the story. And in the vision that he had, you know, Jesus was lying in the back part of the boat. He had a pillow. He was asleep. And when they, when they touched him and when they woke, then they woke him up, you know, even though the, the wind was howling and the water was in the boat, I mean, Jesus, he sort of awoke and then he yawned and then he stood up and then he kind of sort of stretched himself as if, you know, nothing was wrong. And then he went to the side of the boat and put his hand out. Peace, be still. And immediately there was a, a great calm. There was a great calm. You know, Christ indeed, he was the master of every situation that he faced. He was the master. He was triumphant. He was victorious. And we know that, you know, through the cross, when Jesus died on the cross, he crushed Satan. He bruised Satan. He crushed Satan. The first prophecy in the word of God, Genesis 3 and verse 15, it speaks about the serpent and that Christ, the seed of the woman, would crush the serpent's head. And then it said, and, and then it said that he would crush uh, the, the he would crush his heel, and the head, of course, when Jesus crushed the serpent's head, that was on Calvary when Jesus died upon the cross, and then when he rose again from the dead, and you know Jesus won the victory over the enemy, but God wants that victory that Jesus won for us to enter into that victory. And that's why in Romans chapter 16 and verse 20, it speaks about, you know, the God of peace, the God of peace shall, not the God of war, but the God of peace, shall bruise or crush Satan under your feet. And so Paul is writing to those Roman believers 
and basically saying that because of the victory that Jesus has won over Satan and the powers of darkness, I mean, he crushed his head. You know, when the, the head, when a snake's head is crushed, you know, it, it dies. And, and, and because of what Jesus has done, Paul is able to write to the Romans and say, the God of peace shall bruise or crush Satan under your feet. And this verse, you know, refers to a personal triumph over Satan. That God, you know, God wants, I believe, each one of us to enter into. You know, it's not the God of war, but the God of peace. You know, there's tremendous power in peace. The God of peace who will crush Satan under your feet, under my feet, under your, your feet. You know, peace is very powerful. Satan has no rest. He wanders here, he wanders there, he goes here. We see that in the book of Job. But it's peace that enables us to triumph over him. You know, when we speak peace, it takes away the enemy's power. And we have the victory over the enemy as long as the, you know, the peace of God, the peace of God is in our hearts and minds. And God wants the peace of God that passes all understanding to keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. You know, the peace of God is a, it's a divine calm which Satan fears, he fears. And the disciples, in, Mark, in verse 40, and he said, he said to them, he said, why, why are you afraid? Why are you so fearful? You know, how is it? Where is your faith? How is it you, you, you have no faith? And so where there is fear, that indicates the lack of faith. If there's no fear, you know, faith can flourish. And, you know, we must believe, we must believe that the Lord, he is in control. He's in the control of every situation. There's no situation there's no storm, there's no crisis, there's no tribulation, there's nothing that you can go through that the Lord is not aware of. And the Lord is in control of every situation. Jesus called them. He called them. Jesus initiated it. He said, let's get into a boat, let's cross over to the other side. And there's sometimes when the Lord calls us into a storm, into a storm. I want to look just at three, three reasons why Jesus may call us into a storm. Firstly, to make our hearts soft. To make our hearts soft. You know, Jesus had just told the parable, you know, of the sower and the seed. And one type of seed, you know, it fell and it fell into stony ground. And because of the stony ground, because of the hard ground, you know, first of all, there's a little bit, little bit of earth, but then there was the stones and the, the, the shale there, as a lot of the land of Israel was sort of just a, a light layer of soil and then the, the shale and the, the rock underneath. And so seed that fell on that ground, it would, it would start off very good, it would spring up quickly, and it would look to be doing great. But then the sun came and it got hotter and hotter and it was unable to put down its roots. 
and then the seed on the stony ground, it just withered up and died. And Jesus said, well, you know, there'll be offences. Offences will come. Tribulations will come. Trials will come. And that stony, if it's, if it's on the stony ground, when those trials come, you know, it's going to, those people will go on for the Lord for a while, but when the difficulties come, they'll turn away, they'll backslide, they'll go away from the Lord. And, but as, you know, we cry out to the Lord and as we look to the Lord, you know, if our heart has become, and our heart can become hard over a period of time, we can become cynical, we can heart, and we can harden our own heart against the Lord. But, you know, God wants to make our hard hearts, he wants to make them soft. In Job 23 and verse 16, and it tells us there, for God makes my heart soft. God makes my heart soft, and the, and the Almighty troubleth me. Because, verse 17, because I was not cut off before the darkness, neither has he covered the darkness from my face. Now Job, he had, Job, Job had lost everything. He'd, he'd lost his, he lost his cattle, he'd lost his sheep, he'd lost his oxen, he'd lost his camels, even his seven sons. You know, a storm came and, and the roof fell in. They were all killed. Seven sons and his three daughters, they were all killed. And, you know, he's lost everything. Even as, at that stage, even, even his wife said, you know, just curse God and die. But no. You know, Job, what did he do? He turned around. He, he, he worshipped the Lord. I mean, amazing, incredible. Then on top of that, he had these terrible sores and terrible boils covering from the top of his head to the sole of his feet all over his body. And it didn't, they didn't go away straight away. I mean, it was several months, the book of Job indicates. And, you know, all those things that he faced. And, you know, he was able to say, the Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He was able to, to worship the Lord. But... Even Job, even that great man Job, you know, as we get into the book, and you know the the the, the comforters, the, they're not they're not very good comforters, but the three of the Job's comforters come and try to you know tell him basically that he's he sinned and that's the reason why all these problems are coming, and that was not the case at all. He was blameless before the Lord, but even this mighty man of God Job. I mean, there were still areas in his heart, in his heart, which were, which were, which were hard. And it, through all this experience, through this terrible storm, if, any, if there was, if there was a, a storm at all, I mean, you, you can't get much of a storm worse than the, the, the storm or the trial that, that Job went through. Um, you know, everything he'd lost and then pain and agony and boils, you know, all over his body. And yet, even during that time, you know, he was a blameless man. But yet God was doing a work in Job's heart, and there were areas in Job, even in Job's life that needed to be dealt with. And in our lives, sometimes there are hard, stony areas in our heart. 
You know, sometimes unless God shows us to, shows them to us, we don't even we don't even twig, we don't even realize, you know, that they are there. But through a trial, as we call on the Lord and we learn to look on the Lord and learn to depend on Him, you know, God can change, you know, a stony heart into a soft heart, a tender heart, you know, before the Lord. Now, second reason, second reason why the Lord causes us or allows us to go through a storm, a trial, is to teach us obedience and so that we would, you know, trust in him in a, in a fresh way, in a greater way. And there's an inter- interesting verse in Isaiah 50. Isaiah 50 and verses 10 and 11. Isaiah 50, verse 10 and 11. It says, Who is among you? Who is among you that fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant, that walks in darkness and has no light? There's a a question there. Who is among you that fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? In other words, it speaks of a man. He fears the Lord. He has a reverence for the Lord. He's walking in godliness. He's walking in obedience. He's obeying the voice of the Lord. He hears the voice of the Lord. He obeys what God tells him to do. But yet, it's not blessing, but there's darkness. And so, even though he's doing everything right, you know, in some situations, you know, God can allow darkness. There's darkness and no light. And then... The word of the Lord comes, let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. You know, trust in the Lord. Sometimes there's things there. Basically they're saying, we don't understand what's going on. There's seemingly darkness. God is not speaking. We don't feel his presence. And as far as we know, we're not walking in in sin, in ungodliness in any way. And so... The prophet says, sometimes this is the case. Now, sometimes people are going through darkness and all kinds of terrible trials because of their stupidity, because of their foolishness, because of their disobedience. And that is true. But sometimes there are those who are they're godly people and they love God with all their heart and they're not sinning and they're walking in obedience and they're following the Lord. But sometimes for a period of time, God will allow a darkness, God will allow a trial, and it's like the Lord will, you know, the presence of the Lord will not be felt. And, but Isaiah, in these verses, say, you know, we must trust in the name of the Lord, trust in the Lord, and stay or upon our God, or rely upon our God. Trust in the Lord, rely upon our God. And It says in verse 11, Isaiah 50 and verse 11, and it says there, Behold, all you that kindle a fire, that compass yourself about with sparks, walk in the light of your fire and the sparks that you have kindled. This shall you have of my hand. You shall lie down in sorrow. In In other words, Isaiah is saying, you know, 
if you're going through a time of darkness, don't try and, and you know, you're aware that God is putting you through it. Don't try and make a spark. Don't, don't, don't try and make a light. Don't try to, you know, get out of it yourself. You know, sometimes there is a, there, sometimes there is a darkness to those who fear, fear, fear the Lord. And, you know, we can do nothing. We can do nothing in ourselves. Um, Jesus said, you know, I am the vine, John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. And, you know, he that abides in me and I in him shall bear much fruit. And then Jesus says, without me, without me, you can do nothing. And what does nothing mean? Nothing, nothing, nothing can be accomplished. Nothing can be, we can do nothing in ourselves. And in the Sea of Galilee, in that crossing, the disciples, here they were, you know, in the natural. Some of them professional, had been professional fishermen. They knew the sea. But in that situation, they, everything that they could do, they, they'd rowed as hard as they could row to try to get to safety, but to no avail. They tried everything they knew. They tried to bail out the water, but it didn't work. And everything, and then the boat was beginning to, you know, go down. And, and like as the, the last resort, the last resort, then they wake up Jesus. And, but they were at the end of themselves. In the natural, they'd done everything they knew what to do, but they still didn't have the victory. And... You know, they should have been able to, to cross that sea in maybe a couple of hours. But nearly all night they'd been rowing and, and without success. And, you know, they'd used all their strength. And sometimes God leads us into a, a storm like that to show us we can't do it ourselves. We can't have the victory ourselves. It's only through Christ. Those, those disciples, the twelve, that they, they'd done everything they could, but to no, to no avail. You know, the boat was still going down. Their lives could have been, could have been lost until they cried out to Jesus. And, you know, Jesus said, you can do nothing. But then the Apostle Paul says, he says, I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And as we look to the Lord as our trust is in the Lord, as our confidence is in the Lord, as our hope is in the Lord, as our faith is in the Lord. You know, we can believe God that we can do all things through Christ who strengthen, strengthens us. So there are times, there are times when God leads us into a, into a, into a storm, into a trial to teach us obedience, to teach us trust, to teach us to rely upon him, to rely upon him. And then thirdly, another reason why the Lord might bring us into a storm is so that we can obtain treasures of darkness, treasures in the darkness. And we see that in Isaiah 45, Isaiah 45 and verse 3. And it says, I will give you the treasures of darkness, and hidden riches of secret places, that you may know that I, the Lord, which call you by your name, am the God of Israel. So in heaven, when we get to heaven, 
There's no darkness. There's no sun. There's no, it's not needed because the Lord, the Lord is the light of heaven. There's no darkness. There's no sickness. There's no pain. Yeah, but there are, tre- there are precious treasures. There's, treasure, there's treasures that we can get on earth that we cannot get when we get to heaven. And one of those is the, is the treasures of darkness, which Isaiah speaks about here in Isaiah 45 and verse 3. And it's often in the dark places, in the dark places, speaking of the, the difficulties, the trials, deep within the earth, underneath the earth, deep down, sometimes going many thousands of feet under the ground, where can be found gold and silver and diamonds, precious metals, many treasures. And, you know, the Lord, he allowed those disciples to be in the storm, the darkness, to realize they couldn't save themselves. Their only hope is from the Lord. And also, you know, in times of darkness, times of darkness, times of difficulty, you know, there are treasures to be gained. There are treasures to be gained. And, you know, Paul says, darkness sometimes involves difficulties. Trials can involve suffering. And Paul says in Romans 8 verse 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. And so the place of trial and difficulty and pressure and sometimes darkness, you know, that is where God makes the diamonds and the gold. And I had a real dark time when I was in Papua New Guinea with cerebral malaria and I became unconscious. They rushed me to the hospital. I was right on the point of death. The doctor said, you know, I only had a few hours to live. Call my parents in New Zealand. And, and you know, I mean, it was, it was a very, you know, dark time, a difficult time, right on the point of death. But God brought me, and God brought me out of that storm. He brought me out. He touched me. He healed me completely. And the storms. And even I have a little bit of an idea about that storm on the Sea of Galilee. Because also, many years back, in fact, before I was married, I was in the Philippines for two years. And as Pastor Cook will will tell you also, they often have typhoons in the Philippines. And, you know, many, there's many boats going out and fishermen go out and, you know, they eat a lot of fish there and people, fishermen are always going out fishing, often during the night hours, come back the next day. And, and, and sometimes the boats, and there's 7,000 islands and they go, the, the islands, um, 7,000 islands in the Philippines. And so, Often we traveled, you know, often we, in the beginning of the night we, we'd get on the boat in Cebu and then, then we'd travel overnight and the next morning we'd, we'd be arriving in Butuan or in, 
in, in uh, Mindanao and, or another island. And so we traveled a lot, uh, you know, by boat to minister to, to different, different people there. And, you know, this time, this is before I was married, and I was down in the south, a place called Cotabatu, and I'd been ministering at Kabakan, which is near, near Cotabatu. It's quite a strong Muslim, Muslim city, um, and had a wonderful time there. And then I got on the boat to come up to the capital to, to, uh, of Manila, and, and there was a storm. It was, a, it, was a, it was one of these typhoons. It was a, you know, a big storm, not just a little storm. And, uh, you know, the wind, was, the wind was howling and the boat was, you know, going from this side to this side and uh, people were screaming out and I was on the top deck. There were stretches. People were sitting on the stretches on, on the deck and I was on the top deck there and even in the midst of, you know, it was a very dangerous situation. I mean, sometimes in typhoons, I mean, sometimes I read in the newspaper you know, in the morning that sometimes even several hundred people had died, you know, because a boat had sunk. And sometimes that happens because they, they overload them and, uh, and, and that can happen. So it, was, it can be a very dangerous time. Many have died, many have died on, on, on various boats that have, that have sunk and so on. In the, in, the, in the seas. And so I was there, you know, on, on this boat. And, you know, the Lord had been gracious and I, I had, you know, various prophetic words uh, that had been given to me. And I, you know, a real, real sense that God had called me to missions and, you know, that, that I would, it was not my time to die. And, and people were just in, in such fear, just like we read about in the story. People were in fear, people were crying out, people were yelling out. We were wondering what was going to happen, boat going from this side to that side. And I remember there, I can remember there, out in the, out in the seas of the Philippines, lying on that cot. And it was like, you know, Jesus said, he said, peace, peace, be still. And it was like, even though the, the, the storm was not, was not quieted when I, at that time, but... As I was there, it was just like, like a, 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 a canopy came down upon me and just a, a sense of the, the peace of God, peace of God. And I just lay there. And I, and I know it's not because of anything of me. Um, many times I've been afraid and, and everything else. But that time, right in the midst of that storm, you know, the Lord came and the Lord spoke peace, peace. And... It just like peace, almost I could feel it, came down upon me and covered me. And I lay there, you know, knowing, just had an assurance in my heart that, you know, we would, we would not die, we would not drown, we'd, but we'd reach our destination. And sure enough, uh, you know, God came and the, the storm, storm gradually subsided and then we got up to Manila, you know, several, several days late. But our God, our God, is a God, he does at times lead us into a storm. But praise the Lord, he doesn't leave us there. And he brings us out of the storm. And, you know, I just sense some this morning, you're, you're going through a storm. You're going through a storm. You're going through a, a storm, a battle. Let's just look to the Lord and just believe God that God will 
come forth on your behalf. And, you know, Jesus spoke those words, peace, 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 be still. And the turmoil may be in your hearts, the worry, the anxiety. Sometimes we think, that, you know, the future, what will happen if this goes wrong or what will happen here, what will happen there? But God loves us and he wants us to know his peace. The peace of God that passes all understanding can keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And even though we may be going through a storm, let us, by the grace of God, allow God you know, to, to work his treasures in our hearts and to, to, to develop the fruit of the Spirit in a greater way in our lives and to accomplish his purpose. And he will surely, you know, bring us out and deliver us. He delivered those disciples. He wants to deliver us from those storms. Let's pray. If you're going through a, a storm, a battle, you know exactly what it is. Just lift up your hand. God bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Put your hands down. Father, Lord, you see these ones that have lifted their hands to you. Lord, you know the situation. There's nothing which is hidden from your eyes. And Lord Jesus, Lord, I pray, oh God, that you would accomplish your awesome purposes in that storm. But Lord, we believe, oh God, Lord, even as Satan, you know, caused that storm on the Sea of Galilee, oh God, Lord, we just stand against the works of the enemy. We stand against every power of darkness, every evil spirit, every power, Lord, that would seek to turn us away from you and the purposes of God and stop God's purposes being fulfilled in our lives. And oh God, Lord Jesus, Lord, we just look to you. I look to you. Lord, we rebuke. We rebuke the powers of the enemy, the powers of darkness, and look to you, Lord Jesus. Lord, you're a God who delivers from storms. And Lord, we just pray for your victory, your power to be manifest. We thank you, Lord. You conquered Satan upon the cross. And Lord, your word says that Satan will be crushed under our feet. And Lord, we look to you for victory. We look to you for victory in Jesus' name. Come, Lord. Lord, we pray that the power of the enemy would be crushed, would be crushed, would be broken under our feet. We thank you for the power of peace. And Lord, we, we, we speak peace. We say peace. Be still. Peace, be still. Come on the scene, Lord Jesus. Show your right hand. Show your mighty victory. Bring release, Lord Jesus, and bring victory. We pray in Jesus' precious and wonderful name. Amen. Amen. As the musicians come.